electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. It's Jim Cramer here. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Don't miss a minute of the action. And good Monday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer, David Faber, coming to you live from different locations this morning. Futures are getting closer to erasing some early morning losses as we get this OPEC Plus agreement. Uh, Goldman suggesting the market bottom may be in place. We're going to get our first taste of Q1 earnings, of course, this week with JPM and Wells tomorrow. Uh, Jim, last week you did say you were beginning to feel better, and it does look like uh, David Costin shares that view today. Yes. Look, I think David has been let's say, uh, someone who believed that things may not bottom. And I think he switched, and uh, he may say it's not in a dramatic fashion because it's near uh, the middle of, the, of his piece, not at the top. But I do believe that what we're seeing is that there was just a, a gigantic amount of liquidity put in by the Fed just when it looked like that things might go back down. And mm. uh, that mattered a lot because a lot of credit, a lot of companies that don't have great credit are getting money. And I think that's important. We saw the retailers go up last week. It wasn't because retail sales were good. It's because their credit was so bad that maybe they get a chance to raise money. GE this morning raising money. A lot of companies are raising money that I think would not be able to raise money. And that is going to be a major change to keep a lot of companies out of bankruptcy in the same way that the oil deal might keep a lot of companies out of bankruptcy. David, you know that there's so much debt being issued right now. uh, And there's some opportunities for people who want to buy debt But holy cow, is the government wide open to buying anything? Yeah, well, as we, you know, on Thursday when we were going over the the release and was still fairly new at that point. Yeah, 2.3 trillion in loans to support the economy, of course, from the Fed. I I still the takeaway, you know, that many people talk about is the high yield market. The idea that the Fed is actually going to be willing to buy non-investment grade bonds. By the way, that does extend to a certain extent into the energy industry, of course, which is such an important component overall of high yield, although there the, the ratings may be even below what the Fed is actually willing to do, uh, Jim. But you're right. You know, credit is flowing. GE refinancing a backup credit facility that expires. Honeywell putting in place a new one and a half billion dollar revolving facility. Now, obviously, these are just you know deals with banks, but the capital markets also do uh, with the Fed's backing certainly are a lot more uh, generous than they might otherwise be. Right. It's rather amazing, Carl. When I look at things, what the bottom might be is it's when the Fed said we're going to do whatever it takes and. Uh, until then, I saw retailer after retailer that I thought would just have to close. Uh, I saw lots of companies in the restaurant business. They were just trading down precipitously. The one thing that's, that's still the fly in the ointment is, is exactly what Mark Cuban said, which is he has a lot of companies that aren't that. Uh, let's, I don't want to say weren't doing that well. They were, they were doing exactly what they should do, which is grow. Uh, and banks are deciding that maybe those companies don't deserve the money. That was not the plan. 
if that's the plan, if that's the banks have done that, Secretary Mnuchin has to come out and say, you know what? That was not the plan at all. The plan was to keep companies open and hiring people and keeping them in place, not to, for the banks to evaluate, because most of the banks wouldn't want to take these companies. Wow, look at that. So are we... So, Jim, is the market still trying to discount the efficacy of SBA loans? Yes. Or have we moved on to the second step, which is, as you and Andrew were talking about a moment ago, uh, the quality of demand and the speed with which demand recovers now that we know maybe mid-May is a potential opening for some business? Well, look, if you don't get a small business open, then what we're going to do is we're going to go to Costco and we're going to go to Walmart and We can go to Target. uh, We'll go to Home Depot. We'll go to Lowe's. uh, And then I don't know. Maybe we'll go to McDonald's. We'll go to uh, Quickster Restaurant. We'll go to Wendy's. But part of the the base of the country uh, are the companies that they're they're hand to mouth, but they're places we like to go. I mean, if we just want to go Domino's, fine. This may be the denouement of small business because somehow – uh, something that was meant to be able to help small business with community banks is suddenly being gated by big banks that don't want these loans. What do they want to bar San Miguel's loan? I mean, if I had to go in there and try to get me, all I'm trying to do is pay my employees, okay? I got about, I don't know, there's like 25 employees that I got to worry about in two places. I thought for sure, well, you get a number, you get an SBA loan, you reopen, terrific. You, you, because you reopen, you don't have to pay, pay the workers, the government takes care of it. I mean, is that a farce? I mean, is, do, do we all get faked out? If we all get faked out, then we're just going to end up going to the restaurants that have the balance sheet. That's not, I didn't think that was the plan, but maybe that, yeah. it's, you know, I mean, Jesus, Chase is deciding whether they want to give me a loan. They're going to say no. They will. They'll say yeah. no. They say no to everything if else. Were here, if Mnuchin were here now, David, he'd probably say, look, uh, this is, what, seven days old now, eight days old? And, uh, and the, the reason yeah. for going through banks was it was a ready uh, network of distribution pipes uh, with which to uh, give money. I mean, it was, it was set, thousands of banks uh, with relationships already already in place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's and it's all new, Carl. And that's true. And we did ask him about that on Thursday when he joined us, of course, because I was hearing, as you guys know, as we all are, that the banks were asking for more disclosure than perhaps had been anticipated or even was required by SBA. The Main Street Lending Program as well. It's funny, Mark Cuban was talking about it with Becky on Squawk Box this morning, where the banks are keeping 5% of the loan. Well, You'd still imagine credit quality wise, nobody's you know, you're not going to lose 95 percent there. Um, But perhaps that is also going to be something of a sticking point, at least in terms of just getting the money out there as quickly as possible. Seen some surveys this morning of small business owners, Jim, who indicate that they are applying and in fact applying in rapid numbers. But many had yet to receive the money. Now, Secretary Mnuchin would say, yeah, we said it would be a couple of weeks. It hasn't yet been a couple of weeks. We certainly don't feel like there's much hope. I mean, if they had given the money through paychecks and automatic data, at least the grant, I know that wouldn't have covered everyone. Maybe the SBA could handle the rest. But, I mean, those of us who are trying to figure out whether to open or not, you know, look, I mean, it's just certainly my wife and I have enough money to be able to to handle it. But how many really do? And I look, I this is really not working. And I know the community banks are good, and I know that they certainly have the intent. But if we're going to have to get a loan from Chase and other people are going to have to get a loan from Citi, I mean, forget it. 
None of these people, are, we're not credit worthy, so to speak. We're not gigantic uh, companies that have great balance sheets that need a loan. We're companies that, I don't know, we had like a decent week last week, not so good the week before. Paychecks knows how we're doing. Automatic data knows how we're doing. The SBA has never heard of us. And, and Chase, I mean, which is my bank, I mean, holy, I couldn't get a mortgage out of that. So I, mean, I had a decent balance sheet. Right. So I think that we're, something's wrong. And I, I would have hoped that something's Jim, very wrong here. Does so it, Jim, I'm what curious is the as to whether it colors to, to your, your view. I'm sorry? Who goes first? Um, well, my question for you, Jim, was then yeah, what, is, what is the message to your employees? I'll cover you. I'm wealthy enough. I'm grateful. Uh, you'll get your money. Uh, I don't know. If there are people who feel that they can make more money on unemployment, that's fine. Uh, I had lots of discussions this weekend about this, but I'm sure everybody did. I mean, I'm one of you know, millions of people that are trying to figure out, well, we went to our bank. Did we make a big mistake going to Chase? I've been a client for 35 years. I don't know. Am I a sucker? I, I, I don't know. This is... No. No? Who should I go into? I wish well, I could have just gone to Square I, I, or Automatic Data or something. Jim, what I'm curious about is whether it changes your view overall of, of the market. Uh, just this morning in speaking to people, I mean, you know, there's, there are those who are getting more bullish who believe, well, April is going to be the worst month or the cruelest month, as T.S. Eliot would say. May will be better than April. June will be better than May. And by the way, we're already going to be focused on 2021 earnings. 20 is going to be off the table when we think about things and therefore We've hit bottom. There are others who say things are just not going to be back to normal anytime soon. The money may not be getting there as quickly as possible. Mark Cuban saying if the money doesn't get there soon, there's going to be even deeper problems. They'll look at that. They'll look at the idea of people getting back while you have major cities such as New York or L.A. or even Miami that are still going to be under quarantine of some kind. There's concern about food sources with Smithfield Foods, for example, and that pork processing plant that they're talking about. Restaurants, how many really will be able to come back into business? And so it's funny this morning in picking up both people who are becoming more bullish, just based on the overall view that things are going to continue to get better and more bearish based on the idea that the market is already anticipating that. And in fact, it's going to be tougher getting back to business. Well, I think that the big companies are going to have no problem. And the big company, I don't think anyone ever expected uh, that what would happen is to just be a handful of companies that are in charge uh, and the, the companies that are small just die. Fortunately, we've got the banks this week. I mean, Carl, we can ask them. Here's what they're going to say. Oh, everybody's going to get the number. It's all backed up. And then we're going to hear that the SBA is backed up and there's not going to be an alternative to the SBA. They have to offer an alternative. They have to say, you know what, we are also going to let automatic data help us because we can see what they have a view of what we're doing. They have to let paychecks do it. They can't just let us close. I mean, how many weeks do I have to front everybody? I mean, I'll front people, but unfortunately, I, I do okay. But how many times? We can't front. Most people can't front people. Mark Cuban's talking about not fronting people. I mean, I know he will because he's a great guy. But this is we're not governments. Yeah, Jim, uh, you mentioned uh, the banks and it is a good opportunity to ask you how we're going to process them this week prior to 
prior quarters, uh, you know, JPM and Wells tomorrow. I mean, what is, does the print mean anything at this point? And how deeply do we need to read between the lines in the commentary to get a sense of what Q2 is really looking like? But what a great question, because I think that what's going to happen is it's, it, this may be the end of the notion of we will predict here's the future. If I were any one of these banks, I would say we don't know. It's a health issue. It's a bio- biological issue. Uh, in, in the same way that, that people keep saying it's the science that's going to dictate it. Anybody who makes a projection is, is going to prove wrong because they don't know what's going to happen. Uh, so I think that it, it's going to be a very curious earnings season, uh, especially like what's Wells going to say? You know, hey, we're brand new. Uh, so I, I think it's going to be a disappointing season in times of trying to figure out what things are going to go on. But I still, I still I'm going with what Costin says. Maybe we've seen the bottom. All right, guys, we're going to take a short break here. When we come back, lots of calls to get to uh, on Caterpillar, Deer, FedEx, and a lot of commentary on uh, Gilead's COVID-19 drug when we come back. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. A lot of commentary this morning on remdesivir for that drug from Gilead after the company's post on Friday. Let's get to Meg Terrell. Meg? Carl, these were highly anticipated updates, and what we got wasn't a clinical trial. It was an update on 53 patients who'd received remdesivir under what's known as compassionate use. Now, that's for very sick patients who are not included in clinical trials. And what those results showed is that 68% of the patients showed a clinical improvement, uh, being able to receive uh, less oxygen support, essentially. Now, there were 30 patients who were on ventilators, and the results showed that 17 of those were able to come off that intubation. But seven patients included in these results died. Um, Now, there are some limitations to these data. Because it's compassionate use, there are no controls. They weren't compared to anything in the study. Uh, The lead author of a New England Journal of Medicine article, Dr. Jonathan Grind from Cedars-Sinai, saying, quote, currently there's no proven treatment for COVID-19. We cannot draw definitive conclusions from these data, but the observations from this group of hospitalized patients who received remdesivir are hopeful. That word hopeful is a sort of takeaway that a lot of people are taking from this update. Uh, But we are going to be looking for more controlled data from clinical trials and Gilead outlining when we should expect to see some of those um, updates from Gilead's own studies. Potentially later this month, we should see an update. There was a study in China that was actually discontinued, so we're not sure when we will see those data. Uh, An NIH study is also ongoing, and that is a pretty rigorous, controlled, double-blind study. Uh, So those data will be very important to watch in May. And some already starting to speculate including Learing's Jeff Porges, an analyst, um, that we could see potential approval of remdesivir as early as May, guys. Um, so a hopeful update, but we need more information. Back over to you. Yeah. Hey, Meg, it's David. Uh, just to point out here, this is infused, correct? This is not oral. This, you have to actually get an infusion to get this, correct? That's right. So what folks are talking about is this would be for hospitalized patients um, who are there. And uh, the people in this uh, trial received a 10-day course. So you're receiving an IV drug for 10 days in the hospital. 
Meg, thank you. I uh, should point out later on, uh, the next hour of Squawk on the Street, going to be talking to Wendy Holman, the CEO of Ridgeback Biotherapeutics, which is moving into phase one trials for an oral antiviral that it believes will be successful, or it certainly hopes at least, uh, if in fact human trials replicate what they saw with animals in terms of treating COVID earlier, much earlier, uh, but we'll be speaking to her. Uh, for now, Jim, uh, let's move back to the markets themselves and get a mad dash in here if we can. Uh, you want to talk a little Micron? Right. Well, the leader in this market since the bottom has been uh, Telco. Uh, well, I would say Telco Tech, okay? And the one that I've always felt had the most, pro- uh, really the most prominence was the bounce in Micron because Micron has got all sorts of tech inside it. Uh, and there had been some tightness in DRAMs. And you know, Goldman this morning downgrades it. It's a kind of chilling downgrade. Uh, it, the reason I say that is because there's so many stocks that have a great move off the bottom. And one, you don't want the leadership picked off. And this one is a pick off. It's basically saying, all right. We've had the big move. That's over. Too many of these, and we will go further down. Will we violate Costa's level? I don't think we, we violate the low. But I read it, and I said, ah, I don't want these now. If this is the start of downgrade season ahead of the earnings, then we're going to have a tough earnings season. Micron, not so great. All right. We'll keep an eye on shares of Micron. Of course, continue to watch the overall market, see if the S&P actually continues that Rapid rebound we've seen, certainly last week being one of the records uh, for some time. A lot more Squawk on the Street coming right back. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. Welcome back on this Monday morning to Squawk on the Street. Uh, Neil Kashkari made some comments about the economy and the uh, country's ability to reopen in the past couple of days, adding that without an effective vaccine, we could be facing what he called 18 months of rolling shutdowns. Take a listen. It would be wonderful if some new therapy were developed in the next couple months, that people could have confidence to go back to work, that they could get treatment. Then potentially we would have a V-shaped recovery. But borrowing some Barring some healthcare miracle like that, it seems like we're going to have various phases of rolling flare-ups, as we heard from your guest from Washington, uh, different parts of the economy uh, turning back on, maybe turning back off again. This could be a long, hard road that we have ahead of us until we get to either an effective therapy or a vaccine. It's hard for me to see a V-shaped recovery under that scenario. All right, Jim, too bearish? Yeah, I mean, look, we got to have testing. Uh, I, I know that Nancy Pelosi, speaker, just said testing, testing, testing. That's kind of been the call. But look, if we know that we're OK 
and, and I know I hear it. Well, Jim, you don't know if you're OK for the next five days. But and everybody wears a mask and we have a lot of testing. Then I think you're willing to go out if it turns out that a Gilead makes it so that it, this is not the end of that. You can just go home for a while. I don't know. I, I just refuse to believe that science isn't going to get closer and closer. And I don't like the idea that we shouldn't all be wearing masks. I, look, I'm not wearing a mask right now. But when I go to a, a store and they don't have masks, I'm kind of like, where's OSHA? Don't they have to do masks prevent everything? You know, the perfect is the enemy of the good. We need to just cut down the instances where we where we touch each other, the instances where we breathe each other's breath. And then I think that if we have enough people who have been tested by Abbott, which I think is a great test, or Cephid, then I think that we're going to have people who come back. It's just not going to be something that happens quickly. And I really do, I really do fear empty storefronts everywhere because of the choice of using banks that really, while they're, they're looking at a lot of things and they have a lot of people that are examining loans, they're not even supposed to. They're supposed to give us money. And that didn't happen. Didn't happen. Yeah, that was uh, that was the point uh, in the conversation, Jim, between you and Speaker Pelosi uh, late last week, talking about ways in which we can ensure that we avoid a depression. Take a listen to that. We could have a depression uh, because so many people are out of work, and that's why we have to get the system really energized and working. Let's get out those unemployment checks. Let's get out those direct payments. Let's let these get these loans freed up. Let the banks. Uh, be the friends to this whole system that they are. This is an era of entrepreneurship like none we've ever seen before because of the challenge to small businesses. I thought, right, Jim. So yeah. what kind of onus does that put on Congress the next couple of weeks? Well, I, I think that they have to understand that whatever they're doing with, uh, with this next tranche of money, uh, they have to be sure that there are people who uh, get it, who want to stay in business. And I know that it's supposed to be this tranche, but they have to make it so that the community banks were the ones that should have done it. The big banks, they need another conduit. Uh, I wish they didn't need another conduit. I know a lot of the big banks are trying. No one is trying to stop small business. But when you have a, when you have a big bank involved, they're not going to be able to analyze it. They don't know who you are. And I, I think the speaker is correct that they've got to put more money into the hospitals. I saw, did you see that much the teaching hospitals are losing? Uh, there's just states that are losing fortunes. We don't want to do what happened in 2009, where the states were kind of, they, they really got hurt. And so, therefore, we didn't have enough money for everybody. We have to make sure that nobody yeah. gets hurt, and, and particularly the states and the hospitals. And I, I don't see that happening you right know, now. It, Jim, you raise an interesting point on, on the healthcare system, because there are those who, again, so many different parts of our economy that have to so-called restart. It's not as though the healthcare system, certainly not in New York and New Jersey and other areas that are being so hard hit, are not operating at above capacity um, with those heroes on the front lines. But there are lots of hospitals around this country right now that are waiting for an influx of COVID patients that aren't doing anything else, that aren't doing the elective surgeries, obviously, that pay the bills to a certain extent, right. that aren't treating cancer patients in the same way or heart patients in the same way that they had previously. People are putting off procedures that they otherwise would do. There is a, an element of this that becomes important as well in restarting the healthcare system, so to speak, within the next four to six weeks. Right. That's where the money is. You're absolutely right, David. And I think that 
when you think about elective surgery, uh, that's also going to impact a lot of the companies that are about to report because that had been something that we regarded as really steady. I think when it comes to earnings season, there are a lot of things that we felt, you know what, there's always going to be something that helps them and makes them more consistent. Let's take Caterpillar for a second. Caterpillar's had a great rebound off of the $100 level. And a lot of that is because we believe that the oil, which they have a big oil and uh, mining business, that oil was going to bounce back because of the talks that the president was having with the Saudis and the Russians and because of OPEC+. Plus. I don't know. I come in here today and I don't see oil roaring. Uh, I don't want to bet against oil because I have to believe that maybe uh, the the market isn't correct right now about it because it should have been up a little bit. But you need to see Caterpillar get some orders from China. Uh, China's not as big as oil and gas. I, I just feel like that, well, earnings are just going to be, unless it's connected to China and China's spending, I don't have a good thing to say. Wish yeah, I did. Jim, you saw the downgrade, right? Ought to be, ought to be a painful. Vein. It's so um, true. Yep. Uh, Target 115, they're looking at energy exposure, which uh, is really embedded throughout their uh, their customer base. Uh, dividend risk at some of their largest customers. Retail sa- sales obviously likely to, to, to worsen. And that's coupled with the downgrade of Deer over at Baird today. Yeah, the downgrade of Deer is about ethanol uh, driving. I mean, we've got these points of pain in the system, whether they be uh, the food system maybe having some, uh, let, let's say, supply issues. Uh, whether it be driving, not coming back, uh, whether it be small business waiting for the bank loans, uh, of which it could take forever, because let's be honest, the SBA was never meant to handle all these loans, and that's an important bottleneck, and, uh, and it's going to happen. Or, or whether it be people who just are afraid. And, and, and I don't know how to deal with the people who are afraid. I, because, having been, I mean, I, I actually, I got some things that I took out this weekend. And, you know, so what do you do? So you take the Lysol, you do the bag, you let it sit there. It happens, but it's certainly not the way that, it's a suboptimal way to eat. Yeah. So you're doing the full wipe down of all your groceries? Is, Endlessly, is, going that David. Route, and I take the Amazon box and I leave it outside yeah. Uh, it is cardboard. It's, it's COVID territory. Uh, yeah, I know. I, I, we, we are very uneven in our treatment of all of those different things. Some boxes sit, others get opened immediately. Just wash your hands a lot. I, I certainly one thing to keep in mind. You mentioned Amazon, Jim. Uh, you know, speaking of e-commerce, we should, uh, before we get to the opening bell, mention that eBay has a new CEO. Uh, his name's Jamie Iannone. Uh, and, um, he's been at Walmart, interestingly, um, in fact, he's been the COO of Walmart's e-commerce business, uh, had worked at uh, eBay guys from 2001 to 2009 in a variety of technology and, um, and, and, and business leadership roles. Uh, the market responding well to that, at least from what I saw in the early going here, the stock does appear to be up. eBay has not been hit particularly hard given its place in the e-commerce uh, ecosystem, small though it may be in some ways, certainly one of those companies seen to potentially benefit from this. You know, it's also interesting, Jim, he comes from Walmart and there's no shortage of speculation that some of these larger retailers like a Walmart, given the current circumstances and given how much more emphasis is going to be placed on being able to uh, have logistics and have an e-commerce business that delivers uh, immediately, that they may be looking for further acquisitions. Uh, so I did note that he came from Walmart e-commerce and there is always that question as to whether Walmart might be interested down the road in buying a company like wow. this. Wow. Well, well yeah, the rich get rich. That is just like when the banks got bigger and bigger. Wow. 
Guys, there's the opening bell, uh, and um, a look at Brett as it fills in. Um, we'll see what the uh, the day brings, Jim. We should point out, obviously, everybody's uh, at this point aware we're coming out the best weeks in '74 uh, for the S&P. Australia, Hong Kong, Europe closed for the holiday, and then in terms of the curve over the weekend, Jim, I don't know. Uh, most optimistic data point: new new hospitalizations in New York State now down to 53. Uh, that's the lowest since <laughs> tracking began. Uh, and we really haven't touched on, after four days of wrangling, uh, OPEC Plus managing to put together a 10 percent uh, supply cut. Yeah, look, I, there are oh, we over the curve. No one wants to say it because then suddenly what happens is that we have another spike. Uh, but I, I, my daughter's in Madrid, which is uh, probably the worst place in the world. And the numbers are better there. Uh, Italy a little bit better. I, I mean, you get some optimism. I know that a lot of people want to look at a small outbreak in South Korea. But there were a lot of people really saying, uh, the administration, look, I mean, could you have started it? Could you have started Geez, let's look forward, not backward. My feeling is that things are a little bit better. But I do want to see that employees have masks on. And we should wear masks. Everyone should have a mask. And, and let's get the testing. I, I really want to get tested. I want to know whether I had it or not. I had the flu earlier this year. Did, what, what was it? And I think a lot of us feel the exact same way. And we just don't even know where to get tested. We don't know what to do. And I'm just all, I think a lot of us are just saying, wow, I wish we lived somewhere else where it, maybe it was easier to get tested. I, I can't. Carl, do you know where to yeah. get tested? Uh, no, Jim. I mean, uh, there's a there's a CVS in Georgia. I know it has some drive through testing, uh, but good luck getting there. Yeah. I mean, Morgan Stanley does have a model out today, guys, in which they see serology testing widely available in June. Uh, the first wave of people go back to work. Uh, wave two goes back to work in midsummer. Potential vaccine, they think October for healthcare workers. Um, so people are trying trying to put together some picture of what the summer and fall could look like. Well, look, I think that's optimistic that there's even any planning at all. Uh, I wonder whether the president's going to fire Fauci, uh, because I think Dr. Fauci still has some standing. I know when I listened to the interview, uh, he was he's interviewed endlessly. And he finally said it. He finally said, listen, maybe something better could happen in February. And, and does that does is that it? I mean, I, I mean, I think that every yeah. country in the world wishes it did things earlier. I've read the Navarro memo. I mean, what, what Peter was saying, listen, this could happen. I mean, I, I think things were pretty uh, uh, fluid, and I think fluid enough that that people were hoping. Like, look at Mayor De Blasio. Well, Mayor De, no, I, I, Mayor De Blasio I, yeah, was but, the worst. Jim, what? New York City certainly could have moved a lot quicker. And New York worst. State, Jim, you you were saying it on our air. You were talking about if you're 60 years old, you shouldn't go outside. Yeah. You were talking about um, uh, ships becoming hospitals. Uh, and well, floating hospitals. You were talking actually about the cruise liners. But the point is, you were talking about that in in mid February. I know. I, think. I was scared yeah. to death. So no, come no, on, the Super man. Bowl was right. the fourth. Hey, yeah, I, the I, Super Bowl was the fourth. I came back Jim, from the you, Super Bowl. You were talking about. Yeah, I didn't go to the Super Bowl. I didn't want to go to the Super Bowl. China. Yeah, I said I thought that if I came back and I tried to just sound the alarm that maybe people would listen, and it, they weren't. I mean, look, we could play the tape about whether I was, yeah, geez. But I came back, and I was scared to death. And I realized, I mean, I was wearing a mask, and uh, that looked like I was a panic guy, so I took the mask off. So I didn't, like, you know, people recognized me, and they said, wow, well, that guy is really out of control. But I came back, I ran a tape at the very beginning with me and Tepper talking about some Lancet article, saying we're all going to get it. 
and, and I look like some crazy man. So, I mean, I know well, that we all want to blame whoever, but I came back and people said, uh, people said Jim, the this, this sky is not falling. I've got a, a surprise party for you that's coming. And I'm like, uh, no, I don't want to have a surprise party. I, 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 I don't want to get it. I gave a Georgetown speech where I had to thank every, you know, shake everybody's hand. And all of this I just felt was just dead wrong. People didn't listen. So, I mean, when I look at these things, that the retrospective of everyone being attacked, I just say, no, look, I came out and said, stop America. And all that happened was that I was completely ridiculed. So I right. think it's I think it's but the backward look is wrong. We we uh, well, Jim, come on. We do know from some excellent reporting and some very, very reliable places that, in fact, there was. Um, a lot of concern uh, in the federal government that was ultimately not paid attention to until far later than it could otherwise have been to what Mr. Fauci was talking about, of course, and to your point that you're wondering whether he's going to be fired. Holy for cow, you took, away his, so, doc- you took I mean, away his doctors? What you, excuse what? me, Dr. Fauci. Holy cow. Um, by David the way, on the, on the whole, on the, Mr. Fauci. On, <laughs> Jim, on the, testing, on the testing front, guys, I mean, I'm looking at a tweet here. New York City's health department says the city's in danger of running out of swabs for tests. Oh, well, that's And great. says only test hospitalized patients. So good luck in getting one of your tests soon, Jim, because you, like so many other people that I'm sure you guys speak to also, so many people think, I may have had it. I wonder if I had it. I'm not sure I had it. Perhaps I did. We'd all like to know. It doesn't appear that that likelihood is anytime soon in terms of actually being able to get those tests ready. Right. I want to know if my kids have it. They're the ones that Dr. F- Mr. Fauci, I don't know, I like that, that Dr. Fauci right. says are the people Guys. who can give it to you. And I'd love my kids to get tested. I'd like to see them. I'd like to see my wife. How's she doing? I saw her at the end of I, I, I saw her at the beginning I know, of March. <laughs> Uh, two things. Fauci is going to be taking phone call questions tonight on really? C-SPAN. I think that begins at, at 8 p.m. Uh, Eastern time. The other thing is the president just now, guys, uh, tweeting about uh, the OPEC plus deal. Having been involved in the negotiations, to put it mildly, the number they're looking at to cut is 20 million barrels a day, not the 10 million that's generally being reported. If anything near this happens and the world gets back to business from the COVID-19 disaster, the ener- energy industry will be strong again far faster than currently anticipated. 20 was a whisper number on Thursday, Jim. Uh, certainly not the number that came out of the meeting. No, it, there's no, that would be good. I, I know that there's some people who feel that there was uh, a surprise element that could happen. I, I don't know. I, I just think that you're going to if you're an oil company, you're going to have to rely on the, the Fed to be able to buy some debt. I, I, I keep thinking, what what debt is the Fed willing to, to uh, step up to? David, do you have any sense about what the Fed's looking at? Do they want to bail out companies? Do they want to bail out Neiman Marcus? Do, do they want to say that, you know what, Macy's is cool? How do you know what they think is good and what they I, don't? I got to, well, I, you know, I'd have to go back and look at the footnotes for the announcement um, from Thursday, Jim, in terms of, I think they stop at triple B. I don't want to, and so I'm not sure where some of those uh, find themselves right now. But some of, some of that debt finds itself in terms of the rating. Um, and obviously, they're going to be buying a broad selection, uh, right? And they're levering what? Uh, they're levering that at, what was it, 8 to 1? Something like yeah. that. Um, or, yeah, it's 10 to 1 on the investment grade, 7 to 1 on the, on the non-investment grade. But I don't know specifically where those, I mean, by the way, Ford got, right, didn't Ford get downgraded too? So you're talking about 34 or something billion dollars falling from wow. investment grade into high yield, which is why that, 
that market needs a new buyer, believe me, because it's simply not large enough to sustain that kind of uh, that kind of volume falling into it, so to speak, from uh, from the investment grade market. We are we are getting some news on Ford uh, for that. Let's get to Phil LaBelle. Good morning, Phil. Hey, Carl, talk about a Monday surprise. Ford um, really haven't given any guidance, and we know they've suspended guidance, but they have dropped preliminary results for the first quarter. Now, again, these are preliminary results. Final results will come on April 28th, but I think this is clear that Ford and CFO Tim Stone are trying to send a message in terms of having ample liquidity given everything that's going on in the auto industry. We're not going to get into what the first quarter results are going to be uh, because we haven't exactly seen what the estimate is right now from analysts, but a couple of interesting notes here. One, on April 9th, the company had $30 billion in cash on its balance sheet, including $15.4 billion in proceeds from borrowings in the last month from two existing credit lines. Tim Stone goes on to say, we believe we have sufficient cash today to get us through at least the end of the third quarter with no incremental vehicle production and wholesales or financing actions. So this is Ford saying, look, we've got the cash at least to get through the end of the third quarter, and that's if things don't improve at all. And they are planning a phased restart of production sometime in the second quarter. Most believe it's in the auto industry. You're looking sometime in May, whether it's the beginning, the middle or the end remains to be seen, depending on where the facility is at, what's happening with the uh, health departments in those particular areas about whether or not they think it's a good time for companies to begin manufacturing again. So, guys, at least a little bit of guidance from Ford in terms of Clarity, I should say, not guidance, clarity in terms of its cash position right now. $30 billion on the balance sheet and enough to get at least to the end of the third quarter. And that's separate, Carl, of whether or not they have to take out additional debt, do other types of financing, et cetera. Uh, Phil, just to be clear, considering a phased restart of some plants? In the second quarter. And, and look, they've already said they're, the they're not going to be manufacturing. They're not going to be manufacturing through the end of April. Almost all the manufacturers have said that. I, I mean, there may be a few who are saying the end of April we're going to get there. I think it's likely that we will see the automakers, and I'm talking generally here, sometime between the beginning of May and the end of May, you'll start to see them bring on their facilities, as well as the suppliers. They're going to be doing the same thing. And again, it depends on where the plant is and what the situation is with coronavirus in that particular area. All right, Phil, thank but you very it, much. Well, Phil, is um, anybody buying cars just in general, buying cars and trucks? Because a lot of the downgrades this morning uh, for semis have to do with the fact that they're connected with auto and that auto is just a disaster. Right. I don't know if it's a disaster. The, Jim, the expectation, if you were to run a sales pace or a sales rate for the month of April, most are saying don't be surprised if it would come in at four to five million vehicles. As a sales pace, not total vehicle sold, but as a pace, just for a point of reference, most were expecting the sales pace in April to be somewhere between 16 and a half and 17 million vehicles. So vehicles are being sold, particularly in the South and the Southwest. I mean, down in Texas, I mean, pickup truck sales are down maybe 50% in some parts of Texas. Now, that's not great, but there are sales going on. Compare that with the New York area. Look, you're, you're barely getting any sales up there. Right. You guys know that. I mean, no dealerships are really open. You right. can buy online, but that's a that's a drop in the bucket relative to what they usually do. Very true. Very true. 
Uh, Phil, our thanks to you. Uh, David, uh, interesting piece out of Ben Smith and the Times about uh, about Bob Iger and Disney. Uh, just when you think you're out, they pull you back in. Yeah, it was an interesting piece, certainly. And there's been a lot of focus on Disney. We've been talking about it, of course. I think many, uh, many out there will say when they can reopen the parks. And by the way, that's Disney. That's also our parent company, Comcast, of course, which also has a number of theme parks as well. Uh, that will be a good sign, certainly, because it will be reflective overall of people's willingness to potentially uh, go back to business, so to speak. But it's still much unclear, guys, how you exactly do that. You know, Iger talking to Barron's last week, talking about taking people's temperature, but there are so many people who are asymptomatic. By the way, how many kids run a temperature anyway, um, having nothing to do with whether they have the virus or not? Uh, it is interesting um, to think about, you know, if this had happened a bit sooner, um, Mr. Iger would have stayed on as CEO. Uh, it's, I think certainly one would have to anticipate the board would not have wanted to make a change the way that they did to Mr. Chapek, uh, if in fact we were in the midst of what certainly is um, the biggest crisis that Disney has ever faced, of course. We've talked about pressure on the theme parks, pressure on ESPN as well, given uh, its inability to run anything at this point that, uh, that actually has anything to do with live sports. Um, you know, so many different areas, uh, the, the studio being shut down right now, Disney Plus obviously a bright spot, 50 million uh, subs passed last week, guys. But Iger certainly in an important role here, and they're certainly glad that he didn't leave. He's the chairman. He is working very closely with Mr. Chapek, uh, as you might imagine, to try to figure out particularly sort of how um, and what business looks like uh, after you get past this crisis. Yeah, to me, I, I was kind of shocked at this. But then you realize the furloughs, uh, you realize that maybe the gatherings, do you want to gather? You see that Shanghai's not open yet versus an iconic brand. And, and at what level do you just buy an iconic brand because you know it's going to be around and this is not going to last forever? Uh, this one has more of a, a valley that I'm willing to hold on to. There's a lot of other companies that have a valley where I, I don't know. I mean, the companies that are L's versus companies that are U's. Uh, I feel better that, that Bob's there because you know, everyone knows that he's a steady hand. At the same time, do we, do we want to get in crowds? I mean, I, do we want – boy, I, I don't want to be – I see people – I cross the street when I see two people walking together. I, I don't know what I would do if I'm waiting in line for, a, for a, a, a ride for the Jungle Cruise. I mean, no thank you. I don't want the Jungle Cruise. I don't want it. Anyone want it? Yeah, until, no, until you know I, I for know. sure, Jim, it's that it. you've already had it, which is. We need that. We need immunity. Yep. We got to find out who has it. This is ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, can't we just find out? I mean, I, come I, on. Let's just find <laughs> out. I'm tired of knowing whether I'm not sick or not. And everybody else is. You know, it's just that, you know, yeah. look, the reason why we're not opening has nothing to do with us. We're a strong country. OK, which, again, means absolutely nothing other than the fact that we're ready to go out if we think that we, we can't get it. I mean, I don't know about you guys. I have probably like a dozen friends who have had it. And, I, and I'm just saying, OK, well, they, what are they going to do? And the answer is they're going out. But there's not a lot to go out to. Yeah. And they yeah, want to let nice people piece know. Over the weekend in the Times. Don't you want to yeah, let people what, know? Test, you know test, give test. me a green. It all. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> guys, let's get to Bob Asani, see what's happening here as the markets open on this Monday. Hey, Bob. 
Good morning, everybody. Happy Monday. Uh, not a terrific open. Three to one declining to advancing stocks. Europe is closed uh, for the holidays, so not a lot of help to us right now. Just take a look at sectors. We started off positive with energy on the on the deal announcement, uh, but even energy has turned weaker here. Banks are notably weak. J.P. Morgan, remember, reporting uh, very shortly tomorrow, uh, down about 2% here. So uh, consumer staples weak, industrials also a little bit on the weak side. There's your energy stocks. They were all positive right at the open. These are high beta energy names that would benefit from any kind of deal at all. They move more than the market. As you can see, even they are on the flattish side right now here. Goldman talked about that deal, saying it's historic but insufficient. Interesting comment from them. So where are we in the markets right now? We're sort of gone through several different phases of the coronavirus. We went through that February 20th to March 23rd phase. I call it the panic phase, where we dropped 34% on the S&P 500. Then we went to the, the, the rally phase. I guess you call it relief or fear of missing out phase, where we rallied 24% off the lows. Now, where are we? Are we, are we some people, uh, Tony Dwyer was calling it a frustration phase that we're likely to enter right now, where we still have really negative news on the shutdown, on earnings uh, that are coming overall. And of course, we still every day come up and I put together lists of companies that are withdrawing guidance or furloughing people. I think this is a useful way to realize that this is still a very much an ongoing crisis. So Grubhub today withdrew their guidance. A whole bunch of companies in the last day or so have announced they're furloughing people, including Tupperware and Groupon and Live Nation uh, and even Disney World uh, employees getting furloughed uh, as well. So always useful to realize that there's real damage here uh, and it's very hard to pick a bottom right now here. So what are we expecting from earnings season? Uh, it's been very, very difficult to figure out. I've never seen a dispersion between analyst estimates like I've had for Q2 and uh, numbers. They're just all over the place. They are essentially useless. I hate to say that, but I don't find much solace in looking at the earnings guidance. Uh, we have more than 70, probably close to 100 by now, companies that are withdrawing their guidance for the quarter or for the full year. How are you going to estimate anything about global guidance in the S&P when so many companies are withdrawing the guidance? But people are trying it. I am somewhat heartened, noted this last week that a number of the big top-down strategists that we have on all the time are coalescing their estimates for the decline in 2020, somewhere around 20 to 30 percent. Now, you might say, well, that you could drive a truck through these estimates, 33 percent to 19 percent. That's a big dispersion. But actually, that's a lot better than it was about two or three weeks ago when nobody had any idea what the numbers are. So at least they're starting to coalesce around some idea about where things might be going. We're going to be getting banks this week and, of course, J.P. Morgan tomorrow. But I tend to look at the regional banks and what they might have to say, because uh, they're the engines of a lot of the local growth, uh, and they're going to be hit by the brunt of the lower uh, provisions for credit losses or higher provisions for credit losses, which I think is the most important thing. I want to hear about how many loan losses they've got out there. They're going to have lower rates and a flatter yield curve. And of course, we'll have lower demand. And yes, the government programs will help a little bit. But remember, these regional banks make demands, make loans out to companies, to the restaurants that are out there, uh, to all of these small businesses that are out there. And I want to know uh, what kind of loan loss provisions they're going to have. And remember, they're also big asset managers, too, on top of that. So if you get lower trading activity, lower value of the stocks, lower value overall, they get paid less on that because they get paid a percentage of the assets under management. So even asset management, a growth area for all of these banks, a bit of a problem. Uh, there you see some of the regional banks all down as we go into this. And I just want to point out what's been going on here because regional, there is an ETF for this. KRE is the regional bank, just regional banks, not the big uh, global uh, United States uh, centric banks like, uh, like Citigroup. 
here you see, look at this number here, 55, it was the end of February, it went to 27 on March 23rd, and yeah, it's rallied, now we're at 36 or 37, but 55 to 27 to 37 or so, that's a pretty modest rally off of the lows. Yes, it's a rally, so just remember here, we're down 30%, those banks, from six weeks ago, and the market is very much pricing in some negative commentary in the next few weeks, so we'll see exactly what goes on with that. The key here is just getting any kind of commentary or guidance at all. The SEC has made it clear, go ahead, tell us everything you know. We will not come after you if you change that guidance a couple of weeks from now. We're giving you essentially safe harbor to be straightforward with us and don't hold back. I think that's going to be good news, at least we'll hear from these companies uh, about what they really think is going on. Guys, back to you. All right, Bob, thanks for that. Dow down about 350 here. Let's get to Rick Santelli this morning as well. Morning, Rick. Good morning, Carl. Well, treasuries, along with many sovereigns around the globe, are starting to simmer down a little bit, a lot less volatility. Look at intraday of 10s, we're up a little bit. If you look at a month-to-date of 10s, what's interesting here is, of course, that the way we're moving up a bit, but also realize we're 20 basis points from the all-time low close at 54 basis points and kind of idling, much less volatility. And foreign exchange at one point was the epicenter of volatility. Look at a year today to the euro versus the dollar. And look at the way it's starting to simmer down and kind of come into the mid midpoint of some of those very large moves as it moves to the right. Same could be said for the dollar-yen, moving sideways a bit. Now, if I go to the board here, dollar index since February 1st, you know I like to use high, low, perpendicular midpoint when you get very volatile markets. So it gives you where the next move is. And if you look at how accurate this has been, what that tells me is we're going to continue to find a midpoint in foreign exchange. And that really is a very good thing, along with volatility and the demand for dollars. Everything seems to be easing back a bit. The one thing you need to pay the most attention to is the notion of a euro bond in Europe. Unlike our central bank, the ECB really needs to come up with a solution to all these countries having divergent sovereign debt. And of course, one credit reigns supreme, the German. They're going to have to come up with a euro bond. And this is going to be a very complicated task. David Faber, back to you. Rick Santelli, thank you. Uh, before we go to break, take a look at shares of AMC Entertainment. Of course, we have talked uh, for quite some time now about the, about the willingness of people to go out, to congregate, when will they really go back to a stadium? When will they go to a concert? And when will they go to a movie? Uh, AMC already was levered at 5.9 times its EBITDA coming into this crisis. It's not paying rent for April, and there are growing concerns that the company will have to file bankruptcy. That, according to MKM, which this morning downgraded the stock, thank you so much, to a sell from a neutral with the dollar price target. A lot more Squawk on the Street coming right back. Buckle up for another busy week as Q1 earnings really start in earnest tomorrow with J.P. Morgan and Wells Fargo. In the meantime, Dow's giving back a touch of what we got last week, the best week for the S&P since the mid-70s. Back in just a moment. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture-proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, 
positively FedEx. 